Welcome to Monday night, late night at Revolution Radio. Always a surprise. You never know who's going to be hosting it. I am hosting it tonight. My name is Bruce McDonald. And in memoriam, let's take a moment and remember our good friend, Olive Branch. Olive, who was a host here, uh, passed away quite prematurely due to congenital heart problems and uh, one of the sweetest people we ever had at this radio station. So we'll just call it the Olive Branch tonight. Now, tonight we're going to talk about the world. We're going to talk about anything that comes to our mind. I don't know what's going to happen in this roundtable, but the one thing I can promise you is it's going to be interesting and engaging. I'm joined by Monty Dean, uh, live from Melbourne, whom everybody knows. I'm joined by my friend Andrew Bartsis, and I'm joined by my friend John Edmonds. And whatever we want to talk about, guys, I prefer to laugh on these roundtables and uh, have a few jokes, and I hope you all have a sense of humor because, uh, you know, I lived with uh, headline comics. I cut deep. Comedy's a contact sport. I don't want any hard feelings. I don't want any contracts put on me at the end of the roundtable. It is what it is. So with that said, uh, Monty, why don't you take the ball and just say hello and uh, tell us what's on your mind. Uh, hello from the future. Uh, it's uh, four <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon here in Melbourne, Victoria. And yeah, the world's going nuts and I'm not part of it, which is kind of, I'm here to observe the nut, nuttiness, which is fascinating. It's, it's all part of my spiritual journey. How, how is Melbourne not a part of it? Well, I don't engage with it. I don't leave the house. Oh, wait, no. I, I tell a lie. I walk to the letterbox. So that's my engagement <laughs> with going outside. Oh, they get you digitally, though. It comes in on the phones. It comes in on the computers. It it, it it creeps into this earth bag house on the mountain. The world is everywhere now. Oh, yeah, it's there. You can observe it, but the trick is not to engage it. And so um, uh, if I do engage, I try and come from the uh, creative... Um, source like comedy and um, um, stir shit up basically so that that's that's my fun where um, everyone's a little bit too serious and oh, I, I, one of the best lines I saw on, on the internet in the last week is um, uh, it's really hard to be serious when everyone's palading around here <laughs> <laughs> and that was on yeah, a Bashar like not the leader of uh, yeah Bashar the uh, entity um, group page and so it got a laugh so I like that and especially with the people I'm talking with they'll go I, I can relate to that <laughs> <laughs> John how are things down there on Stardust Ranch in uh, Buckeye Arizona well we're just you know same old same old I mean everything's always weird uh, but it's you know I'm starting to think that this whole reality situation is kind of like you know it's like they, t they say about vampires if you don't invite them in they can't really do anything to you I'm starting to think that, yeah. you know, maybe some of this stuff is the same way. Yeah. We all have one thing in common. We've all, um, we've, we've all either written or read uh, The Galactic Historian, which no one will, else will be able to do for about another 28 days. So feel, feel free to make obscure references to that book that will confound the listeners, if you like. I certainly will. And uh, <laughs> Andrew, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful today, and I have a question I've been dying to ask John. Do the aliens that come around leave any trash, like, you know, their version of McDonald's wrappers? <laughs> um, no, but they do cause quite a bit of uh, wreckage in their path. I just had a 75-inch uh, Sony TV uh, that uh, had a knife and a fork stuff in, stuck in the uh, screen back <laughs> on April 28th. Uh, I was eating dinner in front of the TV with Joyce. 
And uh, all of a sudden, this green mist thing came up behind me and smacked me in the back of the head, threw my dinner plate across the room, uh, and literally impaled my TV with these two uh, eating implements. What were you uh, watching? So, you know, I don't even remember. I, I, was, I, was, I was so flabbergasted by the whole thing happening because, you know, up until that moment, nothing was happening. We were just sitting there, hey, you know, eating dinner and everything was fine. And then out of the blue, just bam. And, uh, you know, $3,000 later, here we are. I was about wow. to I was about to say they don't they don't litter. Oh, they're not human, but they destroy my TV. Oh, they're human. <laughs> it sounds like a human thing to me. Can, I, can oh, I, I just couldn't believe it. May I tell a quick story if you don't mind? Of course. Okay. While I was writing Stardust Ranch with John, um, it was right around the time we were talking heavily on Skype about um, the Sunset Gestapo and the derailment of the Sunset Limited, the uh, most serious passenger train derailment in uh, American history. Still unsurpassed. I think it happened in 94. And the people who got blamed for it had been uh, living on the ranch. But I guess it was a touchy subject or something. And the con the conversation was being listened to. And uh, the next night, uh, John got hit by a plasma beam, got rendered unconscious, and it fried all the electronics in the kitchen. And there were a couple new microwaves and a stove. And it, it was about two, three, four thousand dollars worth of equipment, John? No, at least, yeah. Okay. And I don't mean to make fun at your expense, but one of the funniest stories I ever heard was John explaining his trying to deal with the home insurance company to get this stuff replaced. <laughs> they send the technician in and sir, we think you sabotaged this. We've never seen anything <laughs> like this before. <laughs> so it's not an act of God. Then, Technically not, no. <laughs> yeah. And then I got to thinking about all of the liability issues involved in living at Stardust Ranch there. You know, oh, Jesus, there goes another 54-inch uh, plasma TV. <laughs> there it goes. <laughs> Again, John, I don't mean to laugh at your expense. But if you can't laugh, you got to cry. So you, I have to choose one, right? Yeah. Well, Bruce, I mean, when you think about it, November 10th of 2000, you know, the ranch burned to the ground because of this sort of thing. And, uh, yeah. you know, we lost everything and we were homeless for three years. So, I, you know, this I, has been going on I, that long. I have absolutely no comedic comeback to that. No, but I can see um, the insurance company going, yeah, Mr. Emmons, you've written Rogue Grey Aliens. What are they exactly? <laughs> are they Mexicans that have been in the caves for three years? I'm, I'm not sure. Will, what will they show? Here. Will they show up to testify? <laughs> but, you, know, you know, guys, what's what's insane is is that I have people that come out here for warranty work. You know, because we were at one point we were finally smart enough to realize that we needed a home warranty, and uh, fortunately, there's no such question on the uh, exam for getting the insurance. You know, are are you plagued by anything? you know, particularly paranormal or unnatural, you know, so we've never had to say anything about that. But, uh, you know, I get these guys that come out here to do the work and when they realize that it's Stardust Ranch, they're, you know, they're, they're, they can't wait to come out and then they want to ask you a gazillion questions, uh, you know, and they're wondering if they're, they're going to see something or something's going to happen while they're here. Some of them are scared to death, but some of them are just, you know, they're like on the thrill ride of their life. Yeah. Yeah. I like so, the, um, Southwest, Bell, uh, the the guy that finally came out and he entered his vehicle like he was in the Matrix, just slowly looking at everything and realized, oh, it's okay, and then saw you. <laughs> and then yeah, well, over. I had no idea at the time. I thought he, mm. you know, I, I told him, I said, we don't have any pit bulls or anything. Don't worry, it's all good. And uh, you know, he, he just was looking, you know, kind of 
green, you know, the whole time he was here until he realized that, you know, I wasn't going to, you know, bite him and nothing was going to attack him. So there's, sorry, go ahead. I heard you there. So I just wanted to ask that little side question along with my, you know, know, do they leave trash around? Part of an ongoing thing we've got going here is asking, uh, do the aliens that you talk with eat ice cream? If so, what kind of ice cream do they, they, they like? I, I couldn't answer that not in a million years. Rocket pops. <laughs> That's an inside joke. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> Interesting enough, I, I think 60 Minutes has done an, um, a story on the UFO phenomenon, and it's popped up on Twitter where, you know, oh, they're just hyper drones. I'm like, okay, yeah, back in 1947. And so I don't know if by releasing enough information, they're going to turn, it's like a psyop and they're going to, turn it to uh, it's causing more division in that way because people don't believe and they need the tv to tell them what to believe well you think about it i was actually you know i, I wrote something on facebook about this today and that is is that there's absolutely nothing that is going to be revealed by looking at all these individual situations these various cases that they're going to you know, come out and, and say something about. Because all these cases, not only are they different, yeah, maybe they have a few similarities, but they don't help the individual or anybody else to come to a greater, larger picture understanding of what's happening, why it's happening, or anything else. All it is is just, you know, this litany of, of uh, you know, little bits and pieces of information. They're like sound bites, you know, they, individually they mean nothing that makes a compartment in a people's brains that's stuck as sound bites and nothing ever moving forward. Therefore, they're always putting their life on hold, waiting for it to happen when nothing actually is going to happen. And that's the, the whole um, attention span. Oh, squirrel. Um, that, you know, where everything's pushed that way. And the weird thing is, it's not working 100%, because Joe Rogan's mentioned this, where people have, oh, even um, Bill Maher, but someone at that level, they've pointed out where Americans, but I would say humanity, they have a 30-second attention span, or they can listen to three hours of a podcast. And there's sort of no in-between. It's fascinating. Well, it is. I think that's what made pinball so successful. You know, it's so short. And, you know, all it is is a bunch of lights and, and sounds, and people just stand there mesmerized for hours over it. Yeah, absolutely. There is a bit of skill, though. I mean, the way you, the way you tap those buttons, there there is a little bit You mean you lift the machine and don't tilt it, right? <laughs> no, no, no. There's, like, there's double taps, there's triple taps, there's left, right, left, right, right, left. There's. I did my fair, my fair share of pinball in about, like, 1978. There was an arcade near my high school. So, um, I mean, I'd love to have a pinball machine in my house to this day. I mean, even with all the video games and everything, there's a unique allure to the pinball machine as far as I'm concerned. Well, it's based on 3D gravity and um, all that type of stuff. So it's more physical than the the video games. Yeah, you've given this a good thing, Monty. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do that occasionally. Uh, that's me done. See you soon. <laughs> So, John, I want to ask a, ask a question that's more about exopolitics. In the years that you've been dealing with the various things that come and go, what are some of the positive ones and their version of politics that we could relate to? Well, I, I think that, uh, you know, I was diagnosed in 2000 with MS, and uh, it, it looked like my life was over. I mean, after... Uh, 
the tests were done, all the MRIs and all the rest of it. Uh, basically, the doctor said, you know, get your affairs in order. Uh, in fact, the doctor that uh, actually conducted the test asked me to, if he could see my driver's license. And then he took my driver's license and he wouldn't return it. He says, you're done driving. And I was furious. I mean, I was just absolutely, you know, ready to beat the snot out of him right there. And uh, uh, the whole thing behind this is, is the idea that um, if it had not been for an intervention directly from a, a, an ET, I wouldn't be here today. And in one hour and a half, two hour session, I went from being somebody that was having these horrible electric shocks four and five times a day to the point where I was having convulsions on the floor to I only had one episode after being treated, and that was over 20 years ago. So I would say that, that you know, ETs are kind of like people. If you meet the right ones, you can have a wonderful experience. If you, you know, meet the wrong ones, it's, you know, it, it's a horrible situation. Andrew, what actually happened there? Was it just basically putting John back into the right frequency and he healed himself, or uh, what? Obviously, rewiring. Or what can you um, share? That... He's a he's a fixed point in time, and if he leaves the timeline, things will dis dissipate that they don't want to dissipate. Oh, nice. Well, I, I I can only tell you this, and that is is that there was a glass ball that I was asked to hold in my lap, and when I looked down into it. It was like all of a sudden I was inside the ball looking out. And gradually I started experiencing the only thing I can compare it to is the sensation of having warm, like a warm shower with warm water coming down over my head and going down my extremities to my toes. And this went on for a period of about 15 minutes. And at the end of it, I felt much, much better. I was asked afterwards if i still had any pain i said no and i was told to go home and if necessary come back again in a week yeah, and that's, that, that's called that soul, that's called soul yeah that's called soul matter reintegration so the soul manifests the localized matter and your localized matter had been affected by something externally and they reintegrated your soul-based matter it's a very common technology out there well, it's very interesting because I went back to the hospital that did the MRI and uh, asked them to perform another MRI. At first they said, why bother? And I said, just please do it. I'll pay for it. They went ahead and performed the next MRI. And when I got that back a few days later, there was absolutely yep. no example of what had caused them to diagnose me with the MS. And, and the doctor, he was flabbergasted. He just, he, he just looked at me. He goes, this isn't possible. How did you do this? And I said, well, I tell you, but you wouldn't believe me. And <laughs> I, know, I said, by the way, I need my driver's license back. <laughs> and uh, that was the end of it. Yeah, you know a guy. He's from Arcturus, but I know a guy. Yeah, I know a guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and, and to, you know, to this day, this guy's a famous guy walking around. Uh, he, you know, he's done these kind of things for many other people. And, and, you know, he's he's out there in the, the world community. I mean, he's, you know, uh, I he's asked me not to mention his name anymore because he got so many people that came to him and, and asked him for help. And he, you know, he just said, you know, I can't do it, do it for everybody. Um, yeah, you got to let the universe get 
let them find him um it's like in a way the way uh like for me dmt or magic mushrooms i don't try and do it every thursday because i'll be much more messed up but if <laughs> um my you know the timeline the higher self and um if someone comes over tomorrow here have these mushrooms it's meant to be type thing so right. gonna, yeah it's like this guy exists but you don't say his name so if someone needs to meet him and get the work done it will happen because it unfold. The universe unfolds that way. Well, that's exactly right. So that's an interesting topic, though. Aliens just walking among us, you know, um, you know, wearing our Manny shoots suits or Nike track suits, and we'd never know that they're not us. How how frequent is that, uh, John and Andrew? Uh, Bruce here, here in Arizona, uh, I I believe because of Arizona's direct connect to ancient Egypt. And the fact that there are so many artifacts here, there are so many uh, examples of, of, you know, uh, civilization, ancient Egyptian civilization here. Uh, I, I just believe they're totally attracted to Arizona. And, and this place is full of them. I know Phoenix is full of them. I've met probably seven or eight different ETs since I've been here. Have you gone to... What is, what uh, is, oh, uh, just a quick question. Uh, John, have you been to Egypt at all? No, um, I've just got an image of you walking around, going, "This seems very familiar," and I mean, like where you live now—not like a past life. But uh, I'm wondering. Um, I know Andrew's been to Egypt, but it's very similar. I get you know sand because <laughs> I haven't been there. I'm only going by photos, but it's uh, I can the the energy would well, be roughly the, the same. You know how the outback is. Yes, yes, yeah. It's, it's uh, not that different. Yeah. Um, oh, it's radically it's radically different. Okay. It's surrounded by a city that's full of trash and beggars and haunted as hell. And when you come to the dunes, there is nothing in the dunes. I mean nothing in the dunes, nothing at all. And then as you go further down the Nile, the Nile feeds the local villages and stuff that are still covered in trash and dead donkeys, like literally. The trash is so everywhere, it's disgusting. Mm. And then you get to the temples, and there's these people that they're there to supposedly protect the temples, but the vast majority of them are former secret society members or who aren't making any money that are just trying to steal from the people. It's really a disgusting situation there. But Egypt still provides a whole bunch of positive triggers for people. There were places that I refused to go into because I knew what was waiting in there. Just something waiting for the 32 million people a year that freaking go there and it's there's just stuff that's waiting. Example, the Egyptian Museum. I lasted a good 20 minutes in there before I'm like, I'm out. And I was hosting 15 people on a two-week Nile tour. Okay, <laughs> I can't do it. It's too. It's too dangerous. Uh, but that's the nature of Egypt. It's it's hell and heaven in in the same the same street. Okay. Well, I was actually trying to compare Arizona and Australia. I, the outback. Yeah. I wasn't comparing Egypt. Ah, okay. Well, I, I can understand that. Uh, we've got the oldest civilization on the planet today. With the uh, first name, they don't like being called Aboriginals now. Apparently, they're First Nations uh, originals. I like that one, and uh, just some of the stuff I've heard that, that they could they still do because it's been passed down for you know tens of thousands of years. Uh, uh, well, the custodians in the land, and uh, I mean after the bushfire seasons, like maybe we should talk to the Aboriginals again. It's like, yeah, you think because <laughs> they've been doing this for eons. Well, you, you know, it, it's something that I, I keep coming to the same realization, and that is is that, you know, time is a human uh, concept. Mm. And it, it's like if you remove time from, you know, the equation, 
and you just compare the information of various different, you know, past events, histories, etc. Suddenly, it's a lot easier to make sense out of an awful lot of things. You know, I think people get waylaid by by the uh, idea of, of, you know, many, many centuries going by, because quite frankly, uh, motivations, uh, thought processes, uh, you know, the whole the whole thing is it, it's so similar. There's so many things that have happened again and again and again. Yeah. It, and it's it's like we need to to boil it down a little bit and, and start looking at solutions that are going to bring this world together. And if even if it doesn't come together, at least solutions that people can examine themselves and start understanding that there's a better way to do things than the way we've been doing and repeating them, you know, century after century. Yeah, Mark Twain has a great quote. Uh, rhyme doesn't repeat, uh, sorry, history doesn't repeat, it rhymes. And there's sort of, <laughs> there's like a, a time loop where you can... Um, brace yourself, Andrew. I got this from uh, 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 David Wilcock that uh, the US empire seems to be following the Roman empire in a parallel. And uh, yeah, it's, you know, if we're we're all, you know, kicking the can down the road, there seems to be, I think we're here to break the cycle. And it it personally uh, and um, family-wise, and then, you know, you get to the the whole consciousness on the planet because we've been here too long and I'm, I'm over it. So that's why we're having all these interesting so, times. But we have to what, stop thinking in terms of, of the fact that these things just happen. They don't just happen. Mm. What, they, what What's happening is, is that we are not taking a responsibility for creating a better path. And, and we're using excuses and, and we're pointing fingers over and over and over again and blaming it. It's not about blame. It's not about pointing fingers. It's about each one of us looking inside of ourselves finding the best person we are or at least trying to discover it and then and then you know doing something about it and and as long as we attribute this to somebody else's fault and blaming we're never going to get anywhere that's the nature of the global narrative it wants you entangled and entrenched into their story and attached to their concepts such as time and you're talking about time i call it the the toxic roman numeral time and we have to learn how to detoxify from roman numeral time and part of that journey is self-mastery as the duality and a singularity who still has to use toxic Roman numeral time to pay your bills so that you have a roof over your head and you have food to put into your stomach so that on the path to discovering the greater you, you can confront your traumas, your dharmas, your karmas, and all those other things that are obstacles that the soul has set up. But on a greater journey, things are set up very negative in our particular system and we have to learn to detach from the negative system and make our individual association with the creators of this world which is I, I the prime 100%. source energy I agree. you know 100%. so many of the ent- so many of the off-world entities say the same thing but how many more times do they got to say it before humanity gets it it's well, an humanity individual doesn't journey. understand what it means that's the right. problem because you it's know. an individual journey and we've been We've been hoodwinked to think it's a collective. We're all doing it together. We're all going to watch it on CNN. Yeah, join hands and let's walk together. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't work that way. Exactly, exactly. I've said that over and over again. The sovereign journey starts inside the self, disconnecting the attachments that keep you attached to the outer world. Precisely. What What about the collective experiences soul, or or the experiences soul incarnates uh, here to have, like war, like debauchery? all the things that planet earth is famous for 
what happens when we take a leap forward? Do those souls go somewhere else to start their the first part of their bipedal hominid journey? I, in, do, I wouldn't in, call it a collective experience to begin with, and science has muddled us with these reason, words from their eight rage of reason that everything's a, this greater collective un, un, unawares aspect, but in fact, individuals come here for individual experiences with other individual beings. Okay? And if there's a bunch of individuals sharing a common set of experience, that's not a collective, it's a, diversif a diversified group. Because there's many people who aren't involved in the war. Andrew, I'm clapping quietly in the background. Okay. We just have to underst understand the nature of our language and how easily we can confuse ourselves with our own language. Oh, what yeah. do they call it in a, in a network, like in the dark web, when it's a diversified network, an, uncentral, an uncentralized network? Karma is an uncentralized network. It's not a collective network. Yeah. It's a decentralized yeah. system. It's, it's part of this whole attempt to keep us completely in the dark and, and to prevent growth and, and prevent anybody from having insight. Correct. Because yeah. anybody with insight will do what? Change spread, it. spread the word, and they're afraid of that as well. Right. Yeah, they, they want to control us, but they're also afraid of us because of the untapped power that we naturally have. How do you say it? it's like uh, our birthright and inheritance, which logically is a loop? But I understand what you mean. Birthright and legacy. Legacy, legacy. is Sorry. what we create now, so the future versions of ourselves and the future versions of humanity moving forward have something that they can look on and learn from. Yeah, yeah, that sounds yeah. like evolving. Yes, yeah. it is in its own way. Yeah. Yeah. So um, going back to that earlier question, what are the um, aliens that could pass for human that you could you could pass in a big shopping mall and you wouldn't know? Is the Palladians, are there any others, or is it just the Palladians? No, there's quite a few of them. In fact, I, mean, I, I would even know, say thousands there's at least of them. 70, there's at least 70 different races that are actively you know here on earth at any given time and i'm sure there's many more than that but i can only attest to about 70 of them yeah and i'd say there's thousands okay yeah you know, just the hollow earth alone has ten thousand different species in it there you go so, so the, the what's on the surface the, i mean giving you a percentage i'd say maybe five and a half percentage of the surface population are off-world beings but wow. After a while, if they're living on the surface their whole life, are they really off-worlders? I'm not even sure many of them even know. Um, so there's always a group that's planted on the surface as emergency agents. So they can be activated at any time. And what happens is they're living in their hollow earth their full life, but they have a duplicate form on the surface world running a life program that's feeding the hollow earth version how to live a human life, and if they need to go into that body, they transfer their consciousness into it temporarily and take it over, and then that being is really no aware that they were a hollow earth creation and they got beings teleporting in and out of them. Interesting. Oh, mysterious earth, man. So why why would off-worlders come here and just mi mi mingle among us for a year or two? Is, is that just... Um, interplanetary or interspecies sociology or anthropology or like what's take, going on there? So I think take, the take the science out of it. It's sex, drugs, and rock and roll. It's a holiday. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Are you kidding me? For the majority of them, yeah. I remember, the majority of them. I remember Andrew talking about how certain um, 
uh, I think it was the Arcturians. They they love the concept of food and cake, and the, there's that not addiction. It can turn into addiction, but uh, it's the, I guess it's the three D sensory um, experience of eating beautiful food. They trade. Yeah. They have a, a big commodities trade all throughout the big positive, you know, trading commodities networks. What's mom's chicken soup and earth like versus a Arcturian, you know, Dolma soup? Everybody's got their version of soup or everybody's got their version of food. And when you can make it as a memory, it's it's and trade it as a memory, they create these restaurants where thousands of people go and they share food from all over the universe as in a memory based experience. Because they take the memory on by by going to these memory restaurants. That just made that Stephen Wright joke even much more fantastic, where it's like, you know, breakfast anytime. So I went in there and said, I'll have French toast from 1853. There you go. <laughs> you can. <laughs> because in, 80, in, in 1883, guess what they used? They probably used a half a pound of butter to make that. <laughs> Pure butter. <laughs> Pure butter, yeah. Andrew, you and John could spend like a Sunday morning with two or three sci-fi writers in a conference call and give them enough fodder for the rest of their literary career, I'm sure. <laughs> no I doubt. Think, I mean, it, it's mind-boggling. It's absolutely mind-boggling. We want to stay free-flow, or do you want, to, you want me to just sort a few, uh, cite a few things on the news and get everybody's take on them, or whatever you guys want to do. I don't want to, I don't want to direct the natural uh, flow of this roundtable in any way. Well, um, it'll be free-flowing, but you can put up some signposts. Okay, am I the only one on planet Earth who did not know Hamas has submarines? Uh, I, I didn't know they had... Well, they're on the coast, so it's not a big shock, but it is at the same time. Use ignorance, Monty. Ignorance. What? They're, they're actually Quds from the Quds Force. And so the one that was sunk in that article that I sent you was actually an unmanned diving, an unmanned diving boat. So it was basically a remote-controlled underwater object, but... The Lebanon Hamas group has diesel-electric submarines from the late 80s from France and from Germany. Two of them, actually. Okay. So the, the You story... can look it up on James, James' military book, History of Mil Who's Got What in Militaries. So yeah. There's a Hamas Navy. You don't see that in CNN. Well, yeah, they're mostly gunboats. Okay. And the gunboats are shooting mortars and rockets at the at the um, oil rigs, which is the first time in history we're looking at naval warfare against oil rigs. Ooh. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. Kind of interesting indeed, actually, I find anyways. Yeah, so they're, uh, they're going after the oil rigs. And uh, the, um, how, did, how did the Israelis find them and bomb them underwater? It was, it was in port. It was in port. In, uh, the, the, in port. Okay. They have their satellite things, which means and, that all the satellite data is coming directly to the United States Central Command. Okay. I want to just spend a minute on the energy market, you know, because it fascinated me what Trump did with the domestic energy supply in his four years. And, you know, uh, I, I, I'm not going to put any value judgment on it. It's just to say it was a fascinating experience to, to witness what he did with that sector of the economy. And, and to realize, because it's not something that's always at the forefront of my mind, that America really does have these vast energy reserves, uh, you know, uh, probably... Uh, it's all as, shale. As much. Mm -hmm. Is it all shale? 
Yeah, it's almost off shale. I mean, there's there's in the Western United States, there is a just almost an incalculable amount of shale. And that shale has a huge uh, quantity of oil in it. But, they, you know, uh, Canada shares a bit of that. And I, I think that was one of the ways that he was so successful was that he appealed to Canada and said, hey, you know what? If we've got it, you've got it. Let's work together. Until the Russians and the Saudis had their oil world war during the beginning of COVID and oil went to the negative. And now we're, we're seeing all the people that invested into oil are jumping out of oil like why has uh, all the big companies are jumping out of Chevron right now? Because the majority of their big plans that would have taken a place in this year, next year, and the year after, all the funding has been taken away from them because of COVID and the price of oil. It did what? Change the futures and the plans of all the different oil explorations. Like right now, Peru has a the largest potential oil find in history, meaning four times the size of what Saudi Arabia is. And Chile has just gone... Uh, just kicked out its old government and brought in a constitutional reform government. So Latin America is going to be a very tough situation. Agreed. Yeah. The oil in Peru, literally, every everybody knows it's there, but you know, nobody has any technology to get at yeah, it. Exactly. Well, they had the technology to, men- to get at. Well, they didn't they had have the, the infrastructure. Infrastructure. They had the technology, not the infrastructure in the local community, as well as the. The fact they'd have to import all the workers and Peru were going to be like, no, train our people. Right. You're not going to take all our jobs and all our money. Not to mention what it's going to do to the environment. Mm-hmm. Totally destroy it. Yeah, you think from well, the, the I, will, I for one will be somebody that will be glad to see the age of oil pass. Hell yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see, like, you know, we've been, uh, like, modern history, like, even since the Industrial Revolution, where uh, our controllers of humanity are still getting it wrong. Exactly. Are they getting it wrong, or are they just giving us a story that works for them? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Is the system broken? No, the system's working totally fine. It's just not working for us. Well, it's misdirected. See, that's mm-hmm. the whole thing. I mean, it's it's not about what's really good. It's about what's profitable. Yeah, it's, it's about what brings power. It's what mm-hmm. it, it's what allows control to be asserted in such a way that a, a tiny, tiny micro fraction of the world's population reaps ninety nine percent of the the profits. Mm. Yeah, just want to say a brief hello to uh, Noreen Helphand, who runs the show before us. Um, who has uh, uh, asked to come in, and I've brought her in. Now, this is not necessarily an open roundtable, so please do not flood me with calls, folks. It's been a while since I've spoken to Noreen, and quite frankly, we could use a little estrogen on this roundtable. How are you, Noreen? Oh, thank you very much. Um, yeah, no, interesting topics. Um, I'll, I'll just chime in in a little while. I just wanted to hear the gist of you know, what was going on, but it's been really good. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So let's... Let's let let's keeping up with this uh, energy thing because Andrew and I did did peel off a few articles to maybe touch base on because we knew we were going to do this roundtable tonight. Chile just had an election, and they've apparently to sum it up from my perspective, they've basically undid everything Kissinger did there in the eighties. That the the hardcore leftists are back in power now. Why is this important for an energy topic? Lithium. The emerging the emerging electric car market. Uh, Chile is 
Is it one of the biggest, uh, Andrew John and Monty? I'm not sure. I know Bolivia this, has a huge deposit. No, Mexico. No, no. And... Me Mexico has the largest untapped deposit of lithium in the Sierra Madre Mountains. But right now it's controlled by all of the cartels. So they're, they're never going to mine that until they deal with the cartels. Therefore, Peru is the has the largest available lithium ores to be mined, to be mined right now. Correct. Okay. Well, and as we know, you know, cars and trucks are are backed up everywhere because of the fact they can't get the chips, and they basically only have two choices, and that's either eliminate the need for the chips, go backwards in the technology, which would suit me just fine. Or they, they, they're going to have to just continue to suck wind until they can get a new supply. But sucking wind is part of the plan because... It brings up the price. It brings up the price, exactly. At a time where inflation is going to hit the roof, but at the same time, they're going to try to control all forms of inflation and not call it inflation. Right. The fundamentals of economics say what has happened in the last 10 years, we should be in a depression, but we're not. Well, and something else, you know, they talk about a shortage of chips, but they seem to have no problem with all the chips that go into TVs and go into everything else electronic. It seems to be only the chips that are going into automotive products. Because they're yearly, they're redesigned yearly. That's why. And that's how they rate, that's how they keep raising the price on vehicles, which is a, which is its own thing the car companies do to maintain power. Um, power but also there's a research value into the chips that they're creating that that deals with defense contracts as well as supplying the off-world commodities market with lower grade technology but still can help the build out of the 8400 bases or 4800 bases that are out there so monty when you're staring down those antifa thugs at your local bagel shop in melbourne and you overhear their conversation and you say the free market <laughs> doesn't work it's depressive just turn around cold cock them all in the eyes and say what happened free market <laughs> <laughs> you haven't even tried free market yet what are you talking about you have no idea what pluto wants do you nah <laughs> yeah. and that's a planet and in my reality plan pluto is a planet and as Andrew, likes it, Andrew points out, there's another uh, 59. I, I'm bad at maths. There's, there's over 66, 66 planets in our solar system, including Earth. Yeah, and that's what I'm, I'm trying to take. Is it nine or eight? See, I'm lost in maths again. Anyway, the point's um, being Well, you're made. lost in conspiracy theory telling you it's nine, 11, 12, 3, 5. <laughs> but I, I do like um, Pluto's orbit. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do what I want. And it's completely com different from it. Mind you. So, uh, can uh, are all the sixty-six planets on the three D, and we're not showing them, or um, are they on different frequencies? So, first thing first, we can't see beyond our Oort cloud. It's impossible. Okay. So, some of those planets are on another waveform that we can't perceive, and I would say it's only about twelve of those sixty-six planets are in a higher frequency zone. Several of them have a technological cloaking field around them. And then the rest of them are all within a 3D vision and sight if we could see past the Oort cloud. Well, I just had a, a thought. Imagine going to uh, elementary slash primary school and, okay, everyone, we're going to build the solar system. Get your 66 ping pongs out. <laughs> Huge. <laughs> well, the ones that have a, clo a, a cloaking field around them, what, what it's really there is um, 
our binary star system has some issues with the way sun is light and light is projected. So the field that they do traps light inside the 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 planetoid, and byproduct is it makes it invisible. Yeah, so and it wasn't like, um... it, it wasn't an offensive defensive system. It was a way to trap light and keep the planet warm and having real light in it instead of having an artificial light planet so it's like um bear with me here comedian but it's like um getting a greenhouse and and tinting all the windows you could put it that way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. not that's not a scientific fact i'm just just you know being um Metaphor, yeah. yeah thank you thank you yes yeah well let me ask you a question about that then so are, are we we're using light as the frequency that that uh you know, offer is being offered as some for, form of detection, but uh, in, in the frequency spectrum, light is a very narrow, uh, you know, part of it. This is the light that supports life, organic life. Okay. Specifically, plants that use the photosynthesis wave wavelength. Okay. Okay. And then there's specific DNA inside the plant life that aids consciousness growth, which mm-hmm. allows varieties of soul families to incarnate in, in all sorts of bodies bodies and spiritus okay that, that's acceptable to me and then there's the next level of light which is the astral light and the astral light is on a much higher frequency bandwidth and it's where the fourth and fifth and sixth density dimensional beings will go and occupy a non-time frequency and began planning long-term agendas of how to operate in the light living realms. That's what I was getting to. Yeah. I still find it slightly amusing when people say, there's an awakening, and it's like you're waking up to the corruption of the political system. Have you met my friend Andrew? Because you're awakening. You just realize you're lying in a bed. You haven't even got up and got put... You know, you've made your bed and you put your clothes on. There's yeah, you so much more. You are alive. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Now, artificial light worlds, they, they, they're they tough to live on and they're tough to grow long-term agenda life in it. So those worlds that have the reflective cloaking field around them, that field has been around for men- millions of years because there's some oddities in the way light flows in our binary system. Okay. And these oddities are temporal rifts that absorb light and send it forwards and backwards in time well and as well as being something that is a matter of intention yes intention also but these rifts will steal light from our solar system mm-hmm. on their side we're on okay. we'll think of it like a figure eight we're on we're on our side they're on their side and the binary systems and it's constantly rotating within the figure eight well, it's like the infinity symbol. Yeah, that's like the infinity symbol. And there are certain parts, because of the time travel adori- uh, uh, time travel wars that were so destructive, there are parts when the figure eight is spinning that light coming from the second binary sun is absorbed by these temporal rifts. And planets that using these shields, they use these shields because light is being absorbed in the rift and they could go two, three centuries without any real light. Wow. And again, time is relative. I mean, I hate to say that, but but um, you know, in some in some of these places, 
it's an accepted uh, uh, just standard. Right. See, the vast majority of other worlds measure time by eras of light. Right. The amount of light that's absorbed in the environment that you're working from identifies it identified by the absorption of like like we would use uh, carbon 14 dating they use light dating right as well as the position in the galactic groove relative to so the galactic central sun which is relative to the universal central sun two different forms of scaled time mm-hmm. yeah. yeah a friend of mine does um uh, events and she basically uh, doesn't like me in when I'm I'm in the room when she says this because uh, I, I sort of poo poo. It was like everything's an illusion except for time, and then I put my hand. Well, time's an illusion. It's like yeah, yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, time's <laughs> the worst one. <laughs> yeah, but I, I it's understand the illusion by which all others are, are formed. <laughs> yes, yeah, and so I can understand you don't open with. By the way, time's an illusion, and it's like well, but if you if you break it down, you know, everything's an illusion except time, and then you get to that point, then you go oh, and time's an illusion. It, it blows their mind, but there's like a buffer <laughs> actually time is a delusion not an illusion there you go exactly mm-hmm. here and, and it's so hard to under- explain any of this to to you know most people i mean they just kind Family of members, they, they have no frame of reference to be able to even comprehend it, what you're trying to express even with like sci-fi it's very hard to because uh, sci-fi is still time is um, a foundation for most of the you know, time travel and everything else like that and it's like uh, very hard I think uh, Noreen wants to have a say a word yeah I have a, a question, question about since you know the current situation here on earth right we're going through like major changes we haven't seen or humanity that we consciously know hasn't been through maybe thousands of years ago eons ago so how does since you guys are talking about time and energy and elements that affect you know planets or say our planet right now how how are we going to this because the entities or the energies are actually kind of putting veils around us that we can't see why this current situation is happening from like an energetic level are they like manipulating us to like in other words if we were to go to a different spot or a different energy level could we would we be able to see like exactly how they're doing this manipulation of the mind and everything that's going you, on right now? You can see it now. Mm-hmm. The thing is, you don't understand the greater agenda that's thousands have been planned, thousands of years in a, in a, in in the mm-hmm. in prepared for this. So mm-hmm. we're trying to understand f- fourth dimensional chess when we're still playing checkers. Right. And whatever's projected onto us, we have been contracted and we accept it as part of the spiritual incarnation process, as well as the karmic retribution process here. Just because you haven't received a a, a, a letter in the mail, a certified letter in the mail that you agree to this, doesn't mean that the tacit consent still doesn't apply. And whatever the system of domination and control and the infrastructure of domination that's here, it's here and it's in the sub-realms, but those sub-realms have an infrastructure of surface control. And we're trying to deal with the surface control through using techniques that were two, three hundred years old, when they're using techniques tens of thousands of years old. So we have to up our personal responsibility, raise our consciousness and our frequency, so we can see their fourth dimensional chess game and begin to stop it from taking effect in our daily, weekly, monthly, yearly, and decade lives. To have a bigger form of perception. 
one of the greatest things in spirituality that I tell people over and over again, your responsibility is equal to your level of awareness, and your level of awareness is equal to your responsibility. And all too, all too often, conspiracy theory puts something into your awareness that you're not ready to be responsible for. And it's what overwhelms people and sends them into being zealots and martyrs, which they then lose their way. Mm -hmm. uh, Bravo. Wow. Wonderful, wonderful explanation. I like the term doom junkie. <laughs> yes. Well, I, you know, I think of it as people are, are in a situation where they're, they're being asked to, uh, you know, participate in a symphony, but most of them are extremely tone deaf. And they just don't have any clue as to where to begin to, to, you know, they get the idea, but beyond that, they're lost. And it's because they haven't been prepped. You know, they don't have any frame of reference to work from. And so few people are capable of reaching into their own, uh, you know, who they are from a spiritual point of view to be able to ask for help. You know, I think what saved me all my life was the fact that I just said, you know, God, I'm weighing in over my head here. Please help me. I'm lost. And, and you know, lo and behold, I mean, he just reached in and, and you know, restored me. But you also had self-mastery of who you were. And knowing when to ask for help is vital in the journey. But also knowing when to not ask for help. And when I have got to go my, myself through my own litmus test, I am capable of beating this. I have the internal, you know, the intestinal fortitude to get through this journey. And it's not out of vanity or, or, or ego that I'm not asking for help. It's out of their journey to make myself tougher. Exactly. That's so true, Andrew. I, I couldn't. It's amazing when I speak to you because you, you voice so many things that I'm aware of, but I've never spoken out loud. And this may be like a paid promotion, but if you read Stardust Ranch, you'll understand what John is um, referring to because it's like just like when you were talking, like um, you, you asked for help. But also, uh, when Andrew said you've got the fortitude, it's like, yeah, like you, you taught yourself to, you know, wake up in an instant from touch or smell or, you know, at that level and, and fighting the, the rogue grays. You've got to suck it up in order to get the skills. Yeah. All right. You have to have those suck it up buttercup moments. Yep. They got to put on the big boy panties. That's it. And you can't walk around, woe is me, pity party. Yeah. And, no, it doesn't um, work. I, and thank you, John, because I will not go through that, but I'm uh, in a way glad you did and you shared your story. So through um, uh, the visual consent or however the stories work, I can I don't have to be part of the story, but I know the story. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so, Noreen, the greatest thing anybody can do right now at the Grand Awakening is to learn self-healing, self-nurturing, and self-mastery. Mm -hmm. detach from the rest of the the conspiracy world pay attention to it but don't be attached to its outcomes sure learn how to observe it and have fun with it but not be attached and waiting for, uh, like bated breath for the next article to come out mm -hmm. go out and live love and learn comedy make good, jokes yeah comedy's learn, a good way learn, of dealing with it right learn to play guitar join join a a singing group something go do salsa dancing actually i've made a point you know, despite what's going on, to enjoy myself. I mean, you know, yeah. for the most, yeah. I mean, I'm not too important. I mean, I of course we can't help but to think of the repercussions of what's going on, how it affects us personally. You know, with this jab situation, I call it the jab. So you know, these are things that are physical that we have to deal with, right? Like, how are we going to work or eat if we don't go that direction that they want us to? Those are real. Actual Those are real things. Yeah. yeah. Tell the mortgage comp tell the mortgage company you don't want to pay your bill, but you're going to send them love and light. 
Yeah, yeah, but yeah, but no, Noreen, by being you're finding your passion and living your life to the fullest, you're actually winning the war. And it's an interesting exactly. It's interesting as well. Like there's a spiritual war, yeah. And to win it, you don't be part of it, and you you're you're in the sidelines. Like you know, all of us are sitting in the bleachers going, "This sucks." (laughs) Like I've seen wars before. This is terrible. This whole delusion they set up for us. There's ways to manipulate the delusion for your advantage. Go okay. on. Self-healing, self-nurturing, <laughs> self-masters are the fundamentals of learning how to observe it as a grounded, internalized being who says, all right, system, that is this delusion. How can I use it to my advantage? And what is my strategy going forward? Because if you're unable to strategize long-term, beyond a business plan, beyond a concept, truly strategize what your life is about, then you're not going to be able to beat the system because the system has a thousand-year strategy. Yeah, I yeah. have thought about that, that they've been planning this for long-term that we're not consciously aware of. But, yeah, I make it a point just to, you know, like live. I'm not. I, it's a spiritual warfare. I mean, it's a spiritual battle out there. But internally, yeah, you have your own reality. And, yeah, this is just like trying to ask, you know, put that into the daily life. And that's, yeah. Whatever your daily practice turns out to be, just remember to get variety, variety, variety. If you're stuck in a mono practice, the system's going to look at you go, you're a mono practicer. Okay, now what? You're easy to get beyond. And and, uh, everything can change with one thought. Uh, right. Since uh, like the last three days, I, I felt a bit off. I don't know if I went into a new hologram or it's just uh, working internally no, or the, both. The, CME, the CMEs are about to hit. We've got a double whammy CME uh, then, coming uh, yeah. in. But it, it felt like um, a, a pattern recognition. I realized, oh, it's a downswing, and there's nothing wrong with that. But having that thought, oh, there's a downswing, I started to feel the upswing. And it's uh, my, my comedic... The clown came, yeah, a good clown came back. And it's um, just having that one thought, perspective change. That, that's what I find fascinating. I think uh, Wayne, Dr. Wayne Dyer said, your life is one thought away from being completely awesome. I'm paraphrasing, but yeah. Nice. I've always said, don't take it too seriously. Well, yeah. <laughs> Try to stay detached and engaged at the same time. It's like a contradiction, but it is what it is. I have uh, to say this, this current situation has forced me to look at not not just the physical, but definitely the spiritual. Because if anything, even despite all these problems, I'm more focused on, like, am I on the right path? That's one question I have, you know, always. And then, and then the other aspect would be, like, what makes me feel happy? What makes me feel, you know, fulfilled? So I'm always looking at that is kind of like an ideal situation amongst this weird paradigm, you know, to be able to see, okay, this is an opportunity for me to look at this and how am I going to live it out? You know, so it's, it's actually part of my daily like thought pattern now, you know, how am I going to deal with this and get grow at the same time? So it's challenging, but it's the way it is. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I was just going to say that the stenographer uh, mute, when they're uh, t- taking transcripts, please. Oops, We're going sorry. To break. We'll be right back after the break, folks. You're with Revolution Radio Studio A. And welcome back, ladies, gentlemen, and unaccompanied minors. 
We are having what I consider to be a 10 out of 10 fireside chat tonight. This is just absolutely fascinating. I'm joined by some of my favorite people in the world, except for Monty Dean. And it's not that he's not one of my favorite people. I just don't consider Australia part of the world, to be honest. Uh, so, yeah, uh, yeah. We <laughs> exist, ladies and gentlemen. We exist. Now, if, if, we were, if we're paid actors by NASA, I'm owed a, a check or two. Just putting it out there. <laughs> See, Monty, to me, you're you're more American than you are Australian. <laughs> right, on, right on, dude. See, there you go. <laughs> there you go. And um, in keeping with the free-flowing nature of this roundtable, I'll just open it up to anything we want to talk about. And um, let's let's start with Australia because I made uh, a disparaging joke about it. What, what to, the, to the incredibly insightful and learned uh, people of this roundtable, is interesting about Australia from a revolution radio standpoint? Um, I would start with Pine Gap if anybody has a few details on that, but if there's anything else I don't know. And how did those native people in Australia learn so much about this world? So let's uh, Pine Gap and native. Anybody? Uh, all right so hold on hold on hold on i'm making that noise for a reason because they're they're two tough 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 subjects so are there truly native people in this world the answer is no there's 72 first species because of time travel now no matter what other people says i'm a messenger the, the messenger you can believe it or not it doesn't matter to me i i know my truth and i'll stick to my truth as i've done for many years of presentation when time goes through alterations like, like we have here and wars have been done to erase everybody else's attempt to being the first species, what's the byproduct is everyone's a first species. So are the native aboriginals native to this world? Sure. But if you look at their creationary stories, they came from the hollow earth, just as the vast majority of the other native peoples who took over the surface of the world as part of the original surface farm. Now, the aboriginals go back 100,000 years in their history, and there were people who were Atlanteans at that time. Atlant Atlantis was a global culture, but the global culture still had its version of preppers that went out into nature and uh, took left, that left technology aside. And many of the aboriginal cultures or the remaining cultures of Upper Java, Sumatra, Australia, when the oceans were much lower than they are today, were the metaphorical preppers that were understanding that Atlantis was going down as a global and galactic culture. Yeah, I think also the placement of uh, the uh, of Australia being the island continent, it is, you know, our Prime Minister in the 90s, we're the arse end of nowhere. It's like, well, thanks for that, but he's kind of correct. We are the, we're the furthest bit. We're near the edge type thing. And so there's an element, like, you can see that through the ecosystem, uh, where you know the the kangaroo, the platter, definitely the platypus, uh, just most of our animals are um, because of being landlocked when the the seas rose, and then um, everything changed from that. So uh, I'm I'm fam I know of the rainbow serpent, but uh, we don't get taught that much about the um, creation myths, if there are myths uh, here in Australia. But it is kind well, of fascinating. Well Wilpina Pound was the place of dragons. That's where the dragons came out of the mountains. That's what they call Wilpina Pound, Pound, the Dragon Mountains. Mm. Mm. Eh? New Zealand or Australia? That's Australia. Okay. 
Well, that's well, Pina Pound is not far from Pine Gap, which is which very... is a UFO, which is a UFO center. Now, Bruce, you've heard me talk before about the Andes mountain range going all the way into the mountain ranges that go into North America, and that's called the spine of the spine of Earth Mother. Now, that spine is connected to the deep oceans, and there's an underground ocean inside that spine, or spinal fluid oceans, which connects the the subcrustal subterranean societies that are there. Now, Wilpina Pound is also connected in a similar way. It's connected to the deep un, un, under ocean societies. And wherever there's a large mountain range, there's a large subsurface ocean there. Wow. You know, that's very interesting because, you know, here with the Australia Mountains that surround Stardust Ranch, and Stardust Ranch has one of, if not the largest aquifer yep. underneath of it. Yep. And so there's thousands, thousands, thousands of beings that live in there. Exactly. Now, Pine Gap, as an observatory station, was put there to observe the subterranean, sub-ocean cultures. That's its original purpose. Yeah, but, well, I mean, it's basically a, a sort of a CIA uh, joint venture project. But there's a lot more to it. Uh, 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 like, we'll just simply call it time travel command and control systems are there. So if something try, some external source tries to do negative time travel here, Pine Gap is the first stop gap to stop to preventing it. See, I always thought that Pine Gap was connected directly with Antarctica. With the, well, uh, it is. There's, there's a tunnel that goes direct. Right. And that's, there's exactly. tunnels that go to the subterranean, sub-ocean cultures. Right. Yeah. Because there's an actual, like the same multidimensional tunnels that lead from Ireland to Egypt or Iceland to to Argentina. There are these, there, there's these tunnels that are out of phase of reality. But as soon as you go into them, an hour of walking is like walking a thousand miles. Right. Uh, for the listeners at home, if you look at a map of Australia, uh, there's a central city slash town called Alice Springs. Pine Gap, I think, is around about 400 kilometers, 200 miles from that. And it's uh, is it dead center in the landmass, Andrew? It's dead or? center. Yeah. Which is fascinating. So it's right in the middle of the landmass of, of of Australia, and Australia is bigger than the continental United States. So right, you know, from... and it's also connected directly to London. It's directly connected to uh, Washington D.C. and to uh, uh, the what's the big base that's in Colorado? Denver, Denver Airport. Yeah. No, no, no. The Air, <laughs> the Air Force Base underground. Yeah. Oh, um, uh, Del- Delphi. Brain fart. No, no, no. Um, uh, Central Command, um, right. brain fart. Nor- the Norad. Mount- Norad? Yeah. Norad. Norad. Yeah. Now, we have to separate what are multidimensional tunnels, real tunnels, and then tunnels made post-50s and 60s that are essentially um, compressed air tunnels that move trains. Mm-hmm. Yeah, There's the- different versions of them. And the sure. tunnels that are at Pine Gap are the main multi, but the multi-dimensional tunnels. But there are also other tunnels from other previous groups who you, who created physical tunnels that had other technology that amplified the speed in which people could move through them. For, um, I'm sorry, Andrew. Would that be like the tunnel system that's down here beneath Los Angeles that was the lizard people or the Hopi people's the- tunnel system? So that's a standard tunnel system, not a multi-dimensional tunnel system. Oh. Something that was actually carved 
like highways between cities. <clears throat> We're not talking about the dumbs here. Yeah. One of the best names that the the um the prime creator came up with. It's 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 a kind of humbling being a comedian in this creation because sometimes that prime <laughs> creator writes the best jokes. <laughs> Deep underground military base. Oh, you mean a dumb? Um, yeah. So That's um, why aren't we nibbling on the normal news bait line in this roundtable? Because that's what they want you to talk about. That's the distraction. This is the real stuff, folks. The further I go in this game, the more I come to add my voice to the chorus of voices who are saying over and over again, literally everything we believe in this world is a deliberate lie that's been told to us or an ignorance we can't overcome on our own. And... Um, this is why it's fun to elasticize the imagination and think about these things and talk about these things. I say elasticize the imagination, but that doesn't mean that the things we aren't talking about aren't absolutely real. They are absolutely real. We live in a completely Fortean reality, you know, Charles Fort. This is not what you think is going on. And assimilating this information and getting to a consciousness where you can live your life more meaningfully from your priorities is uh, going to make all the difference in how this ride goes, you know, as as Bill Hicks said and Hunter S. Thompson paraphrased after him. Or I got that in reverse. Hunter S. Thompson said it first and Bill Hicks paraphrased him. It's just a ride, man. But it can be a very meaningful ride in, in a single lifetime based on where you invest your energy and what you try to do with yourself and your life. And I say these things now because these topics can be a little daunting right yeah. especially to people who think they've got everything figured out and uh, no, nobody has that mentality more than a journalist I have a journalism degree so this journey of book writing has been particularly bruising on my ego um, but you just get up you know it's like Rocky 7 you just mm -hmm. get up you know what you can and can't do <laughs> so it's not as hard to get heat it's, it's how you get move forward sorry Andrew go ahead Bruce, you were calling Bruce. You were calling a Fortean reality. I say it's a Faustian reality. Yeah, yeah, that may be a bit literary for Rev Radio. Yeah, <laughs> Faust is Goethe's classic, folks. Uh, German medieval literature. The Germans did everything. We just don't hear it anymore about it anymore because we kind of blackballed them after World War II. But they have their Shakespeare. They have everything. And uh, Faustian uh, Goethe is one of the best reads you'll ever do in your life, even in translation to English. Um, so I highly recommend it. And so what Andrew is saying is this is uh, this is a reality. What what are you saying? It's run by the run by the devil. No, it's run That's by the negative forces in the delusion yeah. as we think we have free will beyond them. Even yeah. though we do, we just have never been taught it. That's why it's a Faustian reality. Remember, we're ruled by yeah. psychopaths and run by idiots. And a psychopath is just a high functioning idiot. <laughs> It's like, yeah, it, uh, uh, have, you, have you seen Monsters, Inc.? I think we're, we're at that moment. I, think, I remember Andrew sharing some information where, uh, because there's been, you know, um, board boardroom drama in, in the um, uh, inner earth where uh, the, the idea of maybe we should let people enjoy their lives fully and we can tap into that energy of positivity. And it's like, I just went, that's what happened in Monsters, Inc. Short reminder of Monsters, Inc. Uh, the monsters were scare kids to power their society. Then they realized that um, fear is only a certain amount, but if they made a kid laugh, they would get 10 times as much. Yeah. 
Maybe we should define, you know, uh, drill down on this a little bit. So this is a harvesting planet. Energy is harvest, harvested. You know, uh, John, Andrew, Noreen, Monty. Obviously, I'm just as the host stimulating conversation. I have my own answers to these questions. But what is the energy, and what do they do with our energy? Your unused intentional energy, because you're in unawareness that you have intentional energy that has the power to shape your reality. And because you're in unawareness, they can take this from energy from you to the point where you're virtually a dried up husk with never any power to get beyond being a dried up husk. And, and never know what, it. What do they do with the energy? Convert it into their own creational energy. A third of it's put back into the controlling the system and the other two thirds is pure profit. Okay, there you go. There you go. They, they can run this place with a third of our energy and two-thirds is uh, sent off world. Yeah, <laughs> when I found that out, because like, you know, I'm not a big fan of business and then you know, listening to Andrew's information, uh, yeah, it's business all the way to the top. I'm like, oh, man, I'm in the wrong creation. <laughs> yeah. Andrew, Andrew yeah. do we uh, make a contract with souls to come into this kind of situation where we know that they're harvesting us or trying to extrapolate things from us is this like we agree to it absolutely oh. absolutely absolutely everyone here has agreed to be here just because you didn't receive a certified letter to this i am now doesn't mean you didn't agree to it somewhere else and noreen i ask andrew um so why did we do this because it's fun and i, I mumbled I'm like yeah it's extremely fun but yeah i'm obviously from a 3d perspective but the soul i, I guess would be um having its high point because it's all experience I'm I'm pretty much sure I'm just I'm just here for the tobacco and the coffee. I'm pr I've oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's what that's how they got me. It will be catered. Oh, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, I'm, oh, here for the, I'm here for the beer, pizza, and sex. Um, you go. He's a visitor. Well, you know, I I, I got to say something, and oh. that is is that I I know from my own experience. You know, I I was uh, in a horrible accident in 1973. I was killed, and. Uh, you know, ended up uh, three or four different times being revived, only to finally wake up in a body bag in the hospital and uh, come to and, and go through all sorts of rehabilitation. And it, it's a very long story. But the bottom line is, is that I remember being on the other side and saying to myself, gee, I really want to get back there and, and not really having too many choices about what vehicle I got to park myself in to go back. And so consequently, I came back in the the injured body of the child that was killed in the car accident but at the same time i'm an entirely different person and so you know i i i think we we the body's a vehicle but it's not necessarily the end result did yeah. you say that you chose to come back Is that yeah right? i absolutely yeah. wanted to come okay. back because i i i believe that that you know, I, I had been robbed of my opportunity to, to mm. fulfill my purpose. And, and so, you know, I had to take whatever was available, but there wasn't anything available. So I ended up having to come back in the same broken body, you know, battered body that I left in. Mm. Uh, and, and I mean, I, you know, I, I literally had, uh, you know, so many, uh, you know, fractured skull, my eyes knocked out of my head, my, my back, my neck, my right kidney ruptured, broken. Uh, you know, my right side crushed from the knee down. Uh, it took me two years to learn how to walk again. I went through a solid year of electric shock treatment, 
you know, three times a week uh, where they lifted me up, put me in a uh, metal chair, and uh, stuck it in a tub of water, and then turned on the power from a bunch of batteries. What? Oh, my goodness. You know, and then stabbed at least you came back. You at least you didn't come back in a cow. <laughs> was there weren't any available <laughs> I mean, what would you say to you, you, yourself back then it's like uh, this is not the high point <laughs> I've seen down your but, time stream it's going to get interesting <laughs> you know everything that I've suffered here on the ranch is nothing compared to what I experienced in 73 through 75 and, and uh, you know I, I think that tempered me physically for everything that happened here at the ranch and, and consequently you know, I, I had I got to the point where I could separate my emotional and spiritual and, and intellectual self from the actual pain that was coursing through my body to the point where I could differentiate between them. And in doing so, I got to the point where I could understand that if we could learn that self-mastery process, there's no limit to what we can do. And I think you also meant the perpetrators, the negative perpetrators at Stardust Ranch and that that experience too so you would understand that you're karmically entangled with them yes and the land you're karmically entangled with also yes it's why you had the urge to stay with conviction and not go off to the infinite potentialities that could allure you away like a shiny coin yep i agree yeah because that's sort of one of the big questions when we find out about you john and the, the story of stars ranch it's like you've been there for two and a half decades why and yeah <laughs> well, I mean, it's, it's you know the, the answer is always the same and that is is that i would never sacrifice the animals for mm. a chance to leave i mean you know because people kept saying well you could have gotten an apartment and left anytime you wanted to well mm. if i'd done that i would have lost everything that i invested all the time pain effort agony commitment uh you name it uh, and i just wasn't willing to throw that away yeah you know oh, for no reward yeah, that it that's sort of the bonus stuff because you had to be there for the experience and i think all that uh, you were mentioning like the animals and because i know you love animals you have a small army of them uh that is um by them being there it anchored you there even more it did and i and i understood that and it's been you know very difficult to to uh explain that you know but it, when i get down to you know the, that place where you have to face yourself and you have to be honest with yourself the bottom line is is that you know the animals did nothing to deserve this and any animal that's within you know seven or eight miles of this ranch if it gets lost it gets hungry it's dying of thirst it's going to come to this ranch no matter what i do remember when uh, i did the interview with you and bruce um just what three months after the book came out the, the, the one of the first things i said to you is like your wife is awesome because she she's amazing yeah because she put up yeah it's all in the book but uh she put up with everything and and still stood by you and it's like yeah she should get an award like um best wife of the century or something it's just oh it, i know she reminds me of a daily yeah i'm sure she yeah, well that's how awesome she is and by the <laughs> way you're here because i'm here all right <laughs> yep yeah yeah it's been uh quite a journey there at Stardust Ranch. Amazing place. I think there's another book there. There's more to tell. There's all kinds of stuff there. I look forward to doing it in 2022, John. Me as well. Would you be having, uh, I mean, there's even a side book of um, the neighbor neighbor opposite you. Whoever's been, you know, one of your neighbors that's been there for the, you know, for 20 years. 
just hearing seeing you know having their experience of like yeah there's all this weird crap that's <laughs> like be interesting to see from a witness point of view from someone on the outside but still in the area they're all gone everybody's gone we you know a couple about three or four years ago we went from having no neighbors to suddenly we were surrounded and then there's the regular turnover oh okay half of them were probably nsa <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me a bit yeah Andrew, I have a question. Speaking of choosing certain kinds of challenges, I discovered, oh my God, that I have more gallons, you know, I have all the symptoms, the fibers, everything. Did I choose this? Like is this like an alien program? What is it? It's very strange. I'm not the person you want to be talking about that because I, I believe more gallons is a self created situation from overconsumption of very negative material. Wow. And you can easily heal it for yourself by stop looking at the darkness and the darkness that's looking back at you. Mm. And Morgellons is a completely mind virus created, inserted into a system for people that want to be super spiritual but don't have some of the prerequisites of sovereignty all throughout their soul. Mm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's that. Like, um, be, uh, Andrew does a uh, call-in show. Uh, once a fortnight. I just like saying that to upset people because they're like, what? Uh, two weeks. Uh, but there's like a running theme usually. Uh, I want to make it into a t-shirt, which it's me, isn't it? And most of the problems that we're experiencing, there's an element. What's a better way of saying it, Andrew? Because I would say, I was going to say it's our fault. Uh, but there's a better so way of 99, saying it. 99% of all entities are self-created. They're not external. So they're self-created demons that take us down the path of losing what our internal voice is. And then the programs after a while, which become a reflection of you, they think they're the soul and they regularly try to kick you out of your own body. And then you don't know how to be in your own body. Hence the term. Which creates long-term traumas. Yeah. We, hence that, the term, it's me, isn't apply? it? <laughs> Sorry, John, go ahead. Would that especially apply to autoimmune uh, situations where people become uh, like almost allergic to themselves yes but there can also be other things in the audio mute it can be a genetic defect which is not kicking the body out of the body it's the body attacking itself because there's too high too high frequency of soul in the lineage itself hmm. i have an autoimmune i have i have uh psoriasis that can get very serious and it can go away very fast and it's all about maintaining the right frequency to be a normal human being without being super high frequency 24 7 365 moderating the stress well it's not just that it's learning to live as a human being who has purpose to live here other than to be a spiritual teacher yeah, there's that element of um, you can live in the spiritual life, but part of that is actually to be a physical human being and and paying your rent and um, doing and you know going for a driver's test and stuff like that. It's an interesting leave it, leaving a legacy too. Yeah, that I enjoy doing. Yeah. An interesting uh, a balance of you can't yeah you can't be spiritual because why would you need the body? But the spirit yeah, <laughs> I love this one. You're not a human having a spiritual experience. You're a spirit having a human experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. And in many situations, autoimmune situations are heightened by a dream world that's organized through our intestinal tract. So our, our dreaming body lives inside our intestinal tract. And when it has to, when we go from mind space to heart space into dream space, 
we enter the intestinal tract and enter the dreaming vehicle and there can be anything from blood parasites to internal core parasites or just mucus that has tremendous amounts of negative data from other dream worlds which can also create a negative autonomic response system that's why cleansing the gut with anyone that has an autonomic uh, system like a, a sickness like that learning gut health is absolutely vital so, yeah. in other words, the purification process, what would you recommend for something like that? Well, start with a parasite cleanse, Dr. Holda Clark, and from there do regular colonics. And uh, At any given time, most people have about 20 pounds, pounds of petrified poop in their system, no matter how clean of an eater they are. Um, it's just the nature of the nature of the human body, and especially when it's when the body is stressed with high amounts of anxiety and high amounts of paranoia, you'll store and store and store poop that becomes petrified and, and embedded in the mucus, which then creates other colonies of of gut genomes and microorganisms that are there to normally break down food, but such things as candida overtake. And what candida can do is can become semi sentient in your body. And what candida will do when it doesn't get its sugars and carbs, it'll produce alcohol in your intestinal tract, so that you are then having a sugar crave and a sugar rush. <laughs> yeah, yeah being there. So, so would you say that somebody who was fear based would be uh, manifesting this on a constant? Absolutely, basis? absolutely. Okay. Fascinating. It's me. Wow. It? <laughs> wow. So I I I think and Revolution Radio would be an excellent spot for an un, unlicensed uh, astronomy person to uh, come in and make a uh, million dollars. I mean, there's just got to be some really bad intestinal tracks at this radio station. What do you think, Monty and Noreen? Are you saying people are full of crap? I was just going to say that everybody's full of shit. Yeah, <laughs> uh, including me. I mean, I, I've, I've got in my comedies are defensive, and I try and work through that. But I remember having uh, twenty years ago, like I, I can crap myself better to a better person, and you know, the body has what three or four ways of uh, getting rid of um, unwanted things, and urine, defecation, sweat, and I can't remember the other one. But yeah, you can you can crap yourself to a better life. <laughs> yeah, I've been doing that um, for a couple of years, just releasing a lot of bodily toxins, and I feel lighter and better. So, yeah, it's, we all need to do it. Well, no, there's, like there's, there's a spiritual process to detoxifying the intestinal tract. Yes. And a lot of people miss that spiritual process because as you're cleaning the system, you have to reinforce it with positive energy. And positive intention and then there's baby step intention and then there's adult practitioner intention that fortifies it in such a way that once you are cleansed you are able to take 10 steps of one set of one tiny step and there's also that great meme life is better after a big poo <laughs> and it is yeah. like you feel lighter and you've got rid of all this how, junk. how many people have taken a big old poo and had bounce back in their step we've all had that happen like yeah. wow Okay. Like you just you, you just crapped out some negative negative energies. I, you know, I tell people when they're doing these colon cleanses and stuff, after a while, metaphorically, you're going to shit out something that's like a, a dead octopus. <laughs> yeah. And what it is is all of this negative energies and entities that have been using and abusing you. Yeah, I actually had a um, – my body decided to have a fast. Uh, I, don't, I think the, the um, higher self's gone, just get out of the way. And, and for about a week, I didn't eat food. And black putty was coming out. And so I had a – my body had a forced cleanse. Uh, which was fascinating. It's like, oh, okay. I didn't freak out because you know when you have a um, when you have a newborn baby, apparently multiple colours come out of <laughs> out of those things, uh, children. Uh, but yeah, it was fascinating that 
I didn't eat for almost a week or I just nibbled and the colon's gone yeah well I don't know if it was a complete flush but um, it, it, it was meant to be and it did the trick yeah I, I started doing Stanley Burroughs Master Cleanse in 2003 and I do it um, at least once a year sometimes twice um, uh, uh, for the full 11 days and I, the very first time you do it, it's unbelievable what comes out of you. And it's un unbelievable the change in your psychological state. It's so, you know, physiological, your mental state, how it changes and just the clarity and lightness you feel. I recommend it to everybody. Um, the intestinal tract is a huge part uh, of our overall well-being. Where are we going now, folks? What do we want to talk about now? We're gonna t we're gonna, we want to touch on this... Uh, scary scary political social economic situation and uh, back ourselves up a little bit or just keep it going free flow i'll just share one thing which we could probably just discard to the side but uh stephen crowder from ladder with crowder is suing youtube because of um uh, they're trying to push him off his platform so in the the battle with big tech that'll be fascinating to see how that unfolds he's pretty innocuous why would they be going after him because uh, he's popular he does. He gets better ratings on YouTube compared to Kaber, um, that git from uh, the Daily Show, NBC, C CNN. He gets more numbers than uh, the mainstream media, and um, they tr they get him on anything, and uh, they're very vague at pulling him down, and because you know it's that you know we disagree with you, so we're going to remove you type thing. Yeah, yeah, and it's a comedy show, <laughs> so. Yeah, that's un unfortunate. Let's talk. Let's talk for a moment about generations, and and how human behavior and and human outlook on a on a reality can change, you know, so dramatically in two or three generations. If you go from the baby boomers to the millennials, anybody have any thoughts on that? What's going on with that, Maureen? Do you have any ideas about that, John? Well, I would say I would say personally that that the longer we go on. The, you know, like if you go back to like the 60s and 70s, if you didn't have some kind of a um, point of view where you were going to see yourself as part of the, uh, you know, just the landscape of making the world a better place and trying to do something that was, uh, you know, really meaningful and, and, you know, you dedicated part of your life to that, you, you were seen as, as being sort of superficial. And into the 80s, you know, gradually with, with the dedication to uh, acquisition of wealth, uh, you know, it became okay to be that way. And I think it's just gotten worse and worse over the, the decades. You know, and I'm not saying I'm not trying to say that, that, you know, a realistic point of view was established in the 60s and 70s that we were all going to change the world. But I think, you know, for those of us that really decided that we were going to try to do something uh you know, we've lived our whole lives that way. And, and you know, there's, there has to be something good that goes with that. I've got something to add to that. Because of the nature of how technology was implemented in the last three generations, part of the sub-project is they're trying to amalgamate all the generations into one set of common thoughts and ideas, which has never been done in the last 150 generations of the modern or modern organic society as being run by the global narrative. 
And when they get a homogenous single generation point of view, even though there will still be separations of class, culture, nation, nation prides, and, and patriots, those separations are far easier manageable than the generational gaps that, that are there. Thus, technology is there to close the generational gaps where you can't tell the difference between a boomer and a millennial because of the technologies linking them all together. That's a very yeah. good point. Very good point. Yeah, I, I think the only way you could tell is if you, you gave most of us that are boomers a test, we, you know, we would uh, certainly pretty much most of us would fail. <laughs> well, no, you, the, where, where, where the test starts, where were you when Kennedy died? Where were you when 9-11 happened? Yep. Uh, a boomer's going to go have both. Yeah. Yep. Or okay. uh, Generation Z, you hand them a, a rotary phone and they wonder what it is. Mm-hmm. That's true. Very true. I've seen a photo of that two kids looking at a phone box, which has got you know a dial-up thing, and like, well, how do you use this? <laughs> like, yeah, well, you you got to use your finger, and yeah. uh, that's why I like well, some... um, when Bruce mentions I'm changing the Wi-Fi password on on where I live, and you can just hear do that if you've got kids, do that and just hear the screams. <laughs> Yeah. Now, something else I want to add about the generations, every generation tries to outdo the generation before it, and every generation tries to reinterpret the previous generation's way of the way they tried to outperform the generation before that, and it's a vicious cycle that has to be broken. Well, yeah, young kids yeah. telling boomers, oh, it's your fault the planet's like this. It's like, well, when we were kids, it's still the same <laughs> control structure that are dummy, uh, you know, holding us down. So it's not, I mean, it yeah. could be our fault, well, you know, something else and that is, is that we were all taught uh, right from wrong. We were all taught about values. We were taught about, you know, manifestations of all these various different things. And, and you know, for most of us, we've learned to hold those things dear, uh, you know, the, the patriotism, et cetera. And, and you know, in, in this day and age, it's gotten to the point where it just seems like nobody seems to care too much about it. And, and you know, because I, I can sit down and talk to younger people. They might be able to hold conversation with me about some of these things, but when you ask them if they've ever sat down and really examined it and thought about how it affects their lives and, and how they should make changes in their lives in order to, you know, uh, really do something with it, they, they can't even hold a conversation. Right, because they were never taught true civics and true sociology in school raising up. Like exactly. civics and sociology was taken out of school in the late 70s. Yep, exactly. Well, it's like gym class being taken out and look what happened to everybody. Yeah, the same thing happened here in Australia in 1970. I'm going to say 76, but the end of 75, uh, the Constitution. We, by the way, Australia has a Constitution where the Governor General, who's the representative of the Queen, can um, sack the uh, Parliament and call for another election. And it, it's famous that Gough Whitlam basically got sacked, and uh, there was a um, election and blah blah blah. It's if. If you if it resonates with you or however you say it, um, check it out. Uh, the CIA is involved because you know five years later they said no, that was us. However, uh, the way that the the educational system dealt with that is they stopped teaching kids that Australia has a constitution. The constitution didn't change because there was a crisis um, at the top end, but they just stopped teaching kids that there was. I only found out there was a constitution by doing research for myself. I was never taught it in school. Well, and I think that's why they work so hard to rewrite history. I mean, we're seeing this left and right, you know, here in the States. I mean, they're, they're you know, they're, they're constantly going in and, and changing everything in the books mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. so that nobody has any idea about what the truth is. You can see it. And the reason, in, go ahead, Andrew. 
And the reason why here in the United States nothing can be changed via law is because they stopped teaching equity as a form of law in 1972. Right. Now, there are still courts of equity that can put an injunction, and that's what the power of a court of equity is. It has the injunctive power to stop anything from a president to a CEO of anything and stop them from doing their actions. Well, you know, Andrew, think about it. It, Most people don't know how powerful a sheriff is. Correct. And, you know, they have no clue at all. And really, the country is almost practically run by the sheriffs. Who have given their power to the feds. Right. Because I think right now the sheriffs are important because the police are they have more pressure on them as to what to do, how to behave you know, in this climate. The sheriffs have like they have like their own authority. And I think that's important, like you were talking about that. Um, getting back really quickly to the thing about the generations, I think the purposeful thing is to vacate a young person's mind so that they can just indoctrinate them. That's part of the curriculum. But also, I noticed that because we have so much more technology now, that young people, they're like inundated with so much because of electronics and stuff that they can't even like sift through information the way that we did. That's how I kind of see it. So this is why the brain takes in information a little bit differently and processes it too differently, I think. I would agree with that. Mm-hmm. And you can see the the uh, rewriting of history, which is so 1984, uh, the book, not the year, well, maybe the year as well, uh, in the entertainment industry, because uh, if you're familiar with the uh, movie Black Panther, um, spoiler alert, there's no Panthers in Africa, so I'm just drawing <laughs> it there. However, um, they, Marvel said, oh, it's the first black superhero. And it's like, you made three films about Blade 20 years ago. And so they're forgetting their own history uh, just on an entertainment thing. So who knows what else has been doing? And you've seen the, the current president say, I did all this. And it's like, well, the former president started half of that. And yeah, it's uh, it's getting, it's, I mean, uh, what is satire and um, parody now? I mean, it's You have to check everything to see, you know, no, is this satire or parody? No, they mean it. Oh, dear God, no. I got it. I got a Snopes fact check Monty right here live on air. In fact, folks, there's no such thing as a panther altogether. It's a uh, mutation in a jaguar. If right. you uh, roll them over and rub their bellies, you'll see you'll you'll see the uh, the the panther, wow. uh, the jaguar dots and everything, right? Mm-hmm. So it is it is just a, gen- a genetic mutation that happens in the jaguar class. Why they called it a, a panther and make everybody think there's this big cat that exists in the genuses i don't understand now thank, thank, i didn't understand i didn't know until i got here but yeah. monty i caught no no thank you uh, it's probably the first time that uh, i've been fact-checked and it benefited me because it reinforced my <laughs> point <laughs> yeah there are definitely no jaguars in africa yeah. oh, they've got them here they've got them here in the united states they could Oklahoma. walk there yeah. they could walk there yeah are what you do- kidding me why no, I'm serious. Yeah, yep. I mean, I, I used to spend a lot of time in Oklahoma uh, uh, due to a uh, family member, Tucklow. And, uh, you know, we, we used to go out and uh, go see uh, various Bigfoot and all sorts of things. But uh, the Black Panthers are, are absolutely in Oklahoma. There's a myth here in Victoria. There's one or two, and I think Tasmania as well. That they, they see a big cat, but no one can get a good photo of it. So it's just like in hushed tones of, oh, there's a big cat out there. But, you know, we have a, we have the space for it, but I don't know if it's there or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, have, I just have a little bit of advice for you kids at home. If you have three, male, three female cats, neuter them. 
and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> uh, that's when I got my cat. It's like, oh, can you look after this cat? Yeah, desex her. I, I want to look after one cat. I don't want to start a, a lineage. Uh, I, don't, I don't need, like, I don't want to raise an army. Yeah. So, I mean, I have so many kittens here now that, um, but the litters aren't big. One was two, one was one, and one was three. And two I've given away from the first litter. And I, I just uh, swap out the two lactating mothers now to to feed the whole litter to give, uh, you know, the, the mothers a break. And they get into this whole kibbutz, kibbutz raising of uh, the kittens. It's kind of fascinating. I was telling Andrew about that today. Uh, I, I didn't figure this out. My wife taught me this. I said, you put all the kittens in one blue recycling box. How are, the, how are both mothers going to get in there and feed? She says, you idiot, one cat will feed all of them. One of the litters was only one cat. And it's just one of those almost daily smack the forehead events up here with my wife educating me on how the real world works. <laughs> you know, it's just amazing. So, yeah. We had a lot of cats here. I've gotten quite used to them. They're very useful here, though. They serve a function. And uh, when things serve a function, everything's in its right place. Even your animals relate to you differently because they know they serve a function. They know they have an equitable relationship with you. With and that, that is so, very true. Very true. With, I see that all the time with the horses here. You know. With that we, being said, hold on one second. With that being said, <clears throat> how did the five major religions serve a function here? But in fact, none of them have been reformed and none of them are any, doing anything truly beneficial to get us out of this nature of the trap society we're in. They're all distraction as far as I'm concerned. Well, they're more than distraction. They're a part of the infrastructure of control. Oh, what a great topic for the last 20 minutes of this roundtable. Thank you, Andrew. Um, yeah, this is another big thing. You know, I was raised a Catholic. Now, I moved away from it fairly young. Um, but, but even the Eastern stuff, a lot of it is polluted now. Um, if you're going to get out of this, it's going to be sheer will, and you're going to come up with some kind of hybrid path from about, you know, anywhere from eight to 40 different things you study from Santeria to Islam to meditation. And you got you got to put it all together, uh, some diet and all kinds of stuff. And finally, you'll get a formula that works for you. But if you just sign the on the dotted line, and, and I don't mean to pick on any one particular class of religions, but especially these Abrahamic afterlife insurance policies, and that's really that's really all they are when you think about it. It stops you from thinking about what you what you are spiritually, what your spiritual was. Oh, I'm covered. You know, I'm covered. You know, ironically or just coincidentally, I was going to watch a movie after this roundtable. I go to bed about 4 a.m. these days, my time. And I downloaded 1990 State of Grace with uh, Sean Penn and Gary Oldman and Ed Harris, a very Irish Catholic thing. You look at these, and why are there so many organized crime groups coming out of Catholic culture? How did the Prince of Peace produce all of this? Explain, riddle me that, right? Anyways, don't get me started, but <laughs> religions are a big part of what we're going through now, right? Because... There's just so much tension in the world now with these with these religions all over the world. Nobody they're, is exempt. Not, not even India. Their, their lack their their lack of self reform is fast making them irrelevant to the greater growth of humanity. Exactly. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I want to say for myself, Bruce. I reflect what you're saying. I become more like pan religious, if you want to say. You know, like incorporating different 
spiritual practices into my life and not over focusing on one or the other. I feel more balanced that way. And I think a lot of people kind of feel the same. That's what I said. Well, speaking for, I think, at least 50% of the hosts at this radio station, I'm getting really fed up with some of the hardline etched in stone dogmatic bullshit I'm hearing at this radio station. You know, and we've got we've got hosts here talking about the lake of fire and an eternal hell and judgment and and they're so fixated on a misinterpretation of whatever the hell the book of Revelation is that whether they realize it or not, their deepest unconscious prayer is hurry up and destroy the world, God, or I'm going to stop believing in you. And that intentional energy is going out and feeding things. It may not destroy the world, but it's going to light fires. Yep, it's I extremely destructive. It's, yeah, extremely destructive. Verse. All that negative low-frequency energy goes out and, and scares the bejesus out of everybody, and then they turn around and vibrate it all back, and then they harvest whatever they, they, they uh, have uh, you know, cast out there on the water. But many of those organizations are becoming metaphorical cannibals feeding on their own fear energy because their numbers are dwindling. Now, many people think, oh, it's not dwindling. No, people aren't going to church anymore. You look at the yeah, numbers they're, they're, overall, they're, they're, they're not going. They're not falling for the up. Westboro Baptist church lines anymore. They're not falling for, you know, the, the, the different sects and groups that are out there that say it's my way is the only way. Anyone who says there's only one way, guess what? You're wrong. There's an infinite amount of ways to do everything. Yeah. Yeah. Variety is a big thing that we haven't okay. explored in this life experience. Absolutes are the way of the Sith, to quote Star Wars. And whenever <laughs> anybody is in an absolute, an absolute state of being, that's being a zealot and a martyr to their, their individuated cause. And also with uh, all that is, was, and will be, as David Icke says, uh, the prime creator, source energy. Uh, you're telling me there's only one way like you miss out on so it's like I've had conversations mm -hmm. about um, past lives it's like well I've learned everything in this life have you sir have you given birth have you had that experience no so like you, you, you're limiting the kaleidoscope of creation and there is so much more you know that what we know what we know we don't know what we do we know what we don't know but there's so much we don't know that we don't know well, yeah. you know, that's something very interesting that you bring up there, and that is is that probably the most one of the most important things that anybody can do these days is be open-minded enough to be able to at least say that something that they haven't experienced might have some value in it. And, and you know, to be open-minded enough, they don't have to even try it. All they have to do is not deny it to somebody else to have it. Yeah, there's exactly. That, is that um, a thing of... Uh... I've got a couple of friends who are Christians. It's like that's awesome. I, that's not for me, but it's for you. You you do you, and that's how do I describe it? Like we're co-creating this. I'm the center of my universe. You're the center of your universe, and we're co-creating through the joy of creation. We can intermingle. I don't have to be um, you know, a Tibetan monk. I can just meet one and find out their perspective and learn from them from that perspective from their perspective. Exactly, and it's yeah, and like I'm, I don't want to go through what John's gone through, but I'm glad I know John, or I know John's story, which sort of reinforces I don't want to go through it, but I know about it, and, and so it's I didn't ahead. want to go through it. I know, well, or maybe you did. <laughs> go ahead, Andrew. I want to touch on the concept that the five major religions are making themselves irrelevant by not allowing reform, and 
no matter what of the, what the five major religions, they're purposely not allowing any form of natural reform. Now, when the Catholics switched to the Protestants, they had wars, etc., over reform itself. And since that that time, reform has been considered, you know, this vile energy that will change the fundamentals of the, of the religion. When in fact, it doesn't change the fundamental; it just stops the reproduction of the same dogmas that keep people dumbed down and church has its own value of making itself irrelevant because many people go out of tradition and not out of faith and that's something that's long been prevalent in all the major religions they do it out of tradition and not out of the faith There's so many people that put on their good sunday clothes and go to church once a month because they're going to meet the friends and family that they only see at church once a month yeah there's that uh, and therefore it's not it's not a Right, it's not a practice religion, and the reform has to reflect why people are coming and why they're not coming. Okay, you know, every all of the major religions, not to pick on any one, they all have the same issue. Well, you know, that's a very good point. I mean, if we look back at education, you know, if we went back and looked at the education that was being taught, you know, 200, 250 years ago, and we would say, well, you know, this is most of this, or, or a great deal of it is not only incorrect, but it's not even relevant anymore. If we did the same thing with religion and we looked at religion, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it, we would just say, oh, my God, you know, what have we, why have we been doing this? You know, mm -hmm. we've been doing it out of fear and, and you know, uh, reverence, but mm -hmm. there, there was never any sense in it. Like the Mormons have their magic underwear, quite literally in their teaching, magic underwear. Okay, yep. that should have been reformed out of their, out of their, their teachings a long time ago, but it hasn't. Okay, the, the same thing with uh, not to pick on the Catholics, but you know, there's a lot of holes you can poke in. Like, why did uh, Enoch go there, or who did who did um, uh, you know why did he marry? Who are the mud people? So many of those things that could have been done via reform. Exactly. So, I have a question: what what's with the 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 text discoveries and stuff like that like uh, the nag hammadi and the dead sea scrolls is that just a scam keep the religions going or did or are those things really happening in the timeline okay so the dead sea scrolls are a real object something that has been researched but it has been absolutely bastardized and what they're telling us the meaning is. There's a reason they've never released the entire text because it would throw religion on its on its on its hind end. Okay, and the major the major Christian religions would have a lot of explaining to do, just like a I Love Lucy episode. <laughs> mm -hmm. Church, right. you yeah. have lots of explaining to do. Wah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and, and see, that's the whole thing. It, it all the motivation. In, in so many of these things, science, religion, literature, uh, you name it, everything is on behalf of the person providing, you know, the actual text and what their motivation is, what their, their knowledge is, what their education is and what their ability to express what the value of it is. And, and unfortunately, it's all skewed. And it's not just skewed according to what we know now. It's been skewed since the very beginning. Absolutely. Therefore, the fundamental teachings of all five main religions are have been wrong. so are, are been so skewed that, and by not allowing reform, unfortunately, you have to throw the baby out with the bathwater to get back to faith. Exactly. Exactly. So well said.
Yeah, um, if people ask me if I'm religious, I, I tell them a Jedi because I pick the one with the better merchandising. <laughs> well, and the that, uniforms that... are easier to keep clean. Oh yes, and a lightsaber. Have you... Oh, I own two. It's awesome. You should come over and love a battle. Yeah. <laughs> the, the sad truth of what you're what you're joking about there, Monty, is there's probably more spiritual truth in the first three Star Wars movies than in a decade of going to Catholic mass. You know. Yes. It, yeah. Yeah, I keep I keep returning to uh, the teachings of Yoda in Empire Strikes Back, where like uh, I think it's a mixture of Christian and Buddhist uh, teachings, but uh, George Lucas, it's mainly psychological and the hero's journey. But how, just just watch all the Yoda scenes again, and it's it's fascinating how he explains. Uh, it's called the Force, but uh, you are the Force. You don't have to sort of tap into it. But, you know, we're not these bodies. We are luminous beings, not this crude matter and all this other stuff. And I'm going to watch that after I finish this show. I'm going to watch... Yeah, I, I, a three-foot green puppet tells me more than the Reverend does. You know, if we had a way of being able to look at our reality through the various different dimensions and being able to, to take from that, you know, the truth and the understanding and the, and the insight... Imagine how fast we could emerge from this this time of, uh, you know, great doubt, great change. Uh, you know, I, and I guess what I'm saying is is that I'm reluctant to want to do all the work that's going to be required in order for us to advance naturally. But at the same time, it, it just it's so painful to watch the world go through what it's going through. Uh, for me, yeah. I, I I apply free will, which uh, I don't know if I'm avoiding. But it's more of, well, you know, people are choose like the whole vaccine, half my family wants to get it. It's like, well, you do you. Uh, I'll be here in the fallout. But that's, for I, me, that's the thing of oh, free will. And I, I don't know if it's a cop out sometimes, but that's how I'm evolving slowly. We're, uh, we're winding up here, getting down to the end. I have a fiduciary duty to the nonprofit. This is uh, Revolution Radio, folks, uh, Studio A. We're an entirely nonprofit uh listener-supported uh, platform, and uh, we'd love you to be a part of that if you're so uh, inclined and capable of doing. Any donation is fine, $5. Please go to freedomslips.com or revolution.radio. Hit the donate button, and um, the rest will be explained to you. And with that said, we'll just go to final words. I'll start with you, Noreen. Oh, yeah, this kind of segues into something I want to announce really quick. Um, uh, this is directed to Andrew and any of you on here. Um, I have a show preceding this time slot called Wild at Heart. Now, here's the thing. I do strictly interview shows. I mean, I do roundtables, but I also do interview shows where you know, I'm focusing on you, the guest. And if you don't want callers or any interference, fine. I can switch formats to that easily. So, you know, whatever you guys like or feel like, let me know. And, um, you know, that's extended to all of you. But, Bruce, I need to talk to you about your book, too. Right, so you know, whatever we can have like no callers, you just focus on your whole narrative. That whatever, same thing with Andrew or you know your friend here and and Monty too. I haven't talked to you in a while, so anyway, I'm just extending I'm that. Going, uh, I'm going to drop the ser server. Stay on the line for a moment, please, John. <laughs> 